Let me tell you a secret. Veterans are entering a world full of opportunity, but you can only participate if you know the tricks of personal branding, leveraging your skills in the modern digital economy, and most importantly, positioning your benefits and assets to give you financial control when you stop following orders. I'm Scott Tucker, and I'm here to tell you what they don't want you to know. Welcome to Veteran Wealth Secrets, where we show you how to go from apathy and aspiration to autonomy and financial control. The biggest mistake that veterans make when entering post-military life is trying to translate their military skills into civilian ones. Hi, I'm Scott Tucker, and welcome back to Veteran Wealth Secrets. And uh, this is the show where we talk about all things post-military life in the modern economy. And whether you're still on active duty or already a veteran and looking for some answers and some secrets, and we want to share them with you. And so oftentimes I'll share my experiences, but a lot of times we do interviews like on today's show later, we will talk about an interview I had with an old army buddy of mine, Mark Miller, who was a PAO, public affairs officer, and started his own PR firm. And ironically, is in a unique position where translating his skills was quite valuable, but often you know, that doesn't happen. For, for those who were wrench turners in the in the military, is that what you want to be doing in the outside? If you're a fighter pilot in the military, can you even do that on the outside? So it, it, it doesn't always try. Even leadership and project management, all that kind of stuff. It's like, one, is it the exact same thing? It's not. And do you really want to be doing that? And most times I get you know, talking to people, people say, no, I, I want to do something different. I want a chance to to create my own orders, my own identity. And so now I said at the beginning, yeah, yeah, it's the biggest mistake. Well, it can be the biggest mistake if you haven't given it full thought. If you just if you just thought, hey, I went to the military transition program and they said, well, this was your MOS, so therefore these are the things you can do as a civilian, I think that's disingenuous. It's a big, fat lie, and it's not fair because I know plenty of veterans who might have been trigger pullers in the military and they became millionaires learning how to do all sorts of online marketing skills or getting into the financial world or real estate. The sky's the limit. We can really do what everyone, especially in this modern times, getting the certifications, the MBAs. I mean, that might look nice in a resume if you want to keep on working for somebody else and putting in the long hours. But you know, now, as we've learned this last year with the lockdowns and stuff, we need to be able to adjust. We need to be able to figure out what it is we really want to do because if we're if we're not even getting up to go to work anymore you got to figure out how to do it from your own home really i see that as an opportunity when when often too many people are seeing it as what they call it the lockdown well what are you going to do about it i mean you can't change it we can sit there and complain about how the government works, as I do often, or how the financial world works, as I do often. It's nice to be aware of that stuff, but also recognize that that, that you nothing you can do about it. What you can control is your own human capital, how you can bring value to the world, how you're getting knowledge, and building a series of skill sets. I mean, the more talents that you can rack up, that's what really differentiates you from other people. So if we're limiting ourselves to the, 
whatever talents we had in the military, leadership skills. I mean, what does that even mean these days? When really most corporations and companies, they're looking for people who have creativity and stuff. So we really need to be thinking outside the box. We, we got to get outside of the traditional education system and take control. I mean, create create the, the story that you want to be a part of. Make yourself the hero of your own story. And that's how I like to think about it. That's what I wrote about in my first book, A Veteran's Guide to Life, Liberty, and Purpose. And really, I mean, I wrote that book to my own self, to my self 10, 15 years ago. All the things I, I can't believe nobody told me about having an identity in post life, making those decisions myself. I got out. Somebody told me to become a financial advisor, whatever the heck that means. I went and got a bunch of licenses, and I thought, therefore, that's my new label. This is what I'm going to do. In some ways, that was translating skills because I was taking my experience as you know, a leader in the military to be able to help people and, and my passion for service and all that kind of stuff. And really, uh, I was lied to, and it was just sales, as all financial advisors are. They're just salesmen for another company, right? So, and I get in this more into our, our magnum opus, our, our manifesto, Veteran Wall Secrets, the book, which came out on Veterans Day in 2020. And I mean, that's a 300 page, I mean, I go into the details of how I see the truth. The, the, the I get brutally honest about what's going on in the military transition world, what's going on in the finance world, what's going on in the education world, how all these things tied together. And I think, not intentionally, but unfortunately, we're all being misled into lives of mediocrity. Yet, we're living in the greatest moment in all of human history, the fourth stage of the Industrial Revolution. I mean, they're talking about it openly, the Great Reset. Things are going to shift. They're going to change things right in front of our eyes. They already are. And we're not seeing it often because we're used to following orders. Just, hey, as long as we make sure we check all the boxes and stuff, then things will work out for us. But that's not how the civilian world works, especially right now. And how ironic is it that as we're getting out of the military, everything is about the individual. Translate your skills. Yet we don't do anything in the military as an individual. We do it as a team. And so the opportunity now is to start thinking like that in post-military life. Work together, collaborate, make sure we're networking for those types of things. So we're going to be talking about a lot about these themes on the show. I want to expound far beyond this, really get into the ideas of what it means to create wealth. It's not about money. It's about your time. Saying things like financial independence, financial freedom, that's all BS too, because what does that even mean? right? What you want is financial flexibility to be able to make moves as opportunities that you created for yourself, luck that you've created for yourself when you implement these skills, as I'll teach you on this podcast and in the book, so you can capitalize on it, okay? That's that's the goal here, to get more and more of us aware, self-aware about giving yourself permission about what you really want to do. So if you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on all your favorite uh, podcasting shows. And uh, follow us on, on YouTube as well. We already have a ton of content on YouTube. We actually started this show on YouTube months and months ago before we brought it on to the traditional podcasting f- formats. But hey, if, if you could go on as you subscribe on your, on your whether it's iTunes or whatever, you know, leave us a review, uh, rate us, you know, share it with a friend. That's going to that's gonna help out. But we're, we're not meant 
to be here for everyone. I if people that are looking for the status quo path, please don't don't subscribe. Don't listen. I'm not trying to convince you. What we are here for is to talk to those who who already know what we say is true. They just didn't know what the next steps were. And uh, so I really look forward to getting to know you, getting your feedback, uh, learning what kind of things you want to talk about, people that we should be interviewing. And I think this is probably one of the first episodes we have going out. Um, really looking forward to it. But make sure you visit the website, get a copy on Amazon, or you can download the first three chapters for free at veteranwellsecrets.com. Enjoy the interview with Mark Miller. Hey, everybody, Scott Tucker here again for the Veteran Wealth Secrets show. Real excited for this next conversation. I think you're going to find it very meaningful and uh, get a lot of perspective on finding purpose in post-military life. But first, I want to remind you that today until Friday at midnight, my brand new book, Veteran Wealth Secrets, The Post-Military Guide to Autonomy and Financial Control is available now on Amazon. So make sure you grab a copy. Please leave a review, share it with anybody who it might be good for, because basically there I lay out our whole philosophy of, of what we do as the sponsor of this show at Vet Wealth, where we're, we're realizing that the story we've been told about how to manage your post-military life, specifically financially, it's all been told this lie about saving for retirement when really the opportunity is, what do you really want to do? Wealth is not about money. Wealth is about your time and your meaningful purpose. And so that's why I'm so excited to bring on my old, old friend from a long time ago in the, in the army back in Germany, Mark Miller. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Scott. How you doing? Happy belated Veterans Day to you. Yeah, likewise. And that kind of it's like it's like everything this year has just been kind of thrown for a loop. I, I mean, I know everybody always posts the the Veterans Day stuff, but it's it sucks when we you know you can't just go out and have a beer with with some of your buddies on a day like today because everybody's in fear mode. But no, I, I'm I'm really excited to catch up with you. It's been fun uh, to. I mean, you've had you had an active duty career being in the uh, public affairs branches that's how it's called right in yes. the army I, I i almost got assigned in the public affairs office after my unit disbanded in the first infantry division and and i was like oh man what's this gonna be i gotta write speeches for the general and stuff but no I mean, if, if you, you do, like to, yes. yeah yeah right and <laughs> and so i'd like to know i mean given kind of what's going on. You got out of the military a couple of years ago. That's a unique skill set coming up. They always say translate your skills. And a lot of times I argue, hey, that's honestly a limited path. Everybody can't be a project manager. Just because you turned a wrench in the army doesn't mean you should do it in the civilian world. Yet, I think public affairs is quite a cool skill set to get in the military. It's almost like, like the people who are on the, on the AFN news, that's their military job. That's definitely skill sets you can translate into some pretty cool stuff. But what's what's life been like for you since you got out? What are you up to these days, especially given this you know, environment we're in right now? Sure, well, for, first off, thanks again for having me on here. This is super cool. Yeah. I love what you're doing. So uh, and I, I love being helping veterans. So props to you for that. Life has been interesting for me for the last two years. I, I retired two years ago, but it was a retirement that was earlier than I expected. So because of that, and that was for medical reasons, but because of that, I rushed through the process of transitioning. And that, what I won't even say that sounds like an excuse. That is an excuse. Yeah. But 
at the at the end of the day, I know you talk a lot about transition. And the one question I asked myself, and probably answered too quickly, maybe not, was what do you want? Mm-hmm. And if you think about that phrase, you might say that to your dog when your dog is, you know, just staring <laughs> at you. Or I, my wife and I don't have kids, but for people who have kids, sometimes a child starts crying and it's like, well, what what do you want? We don't grow out of that. You really mm. need to look yourself in the mirror and ask, what do you want? Do you, do you want money? Do you want mm. more time? Like you were just alluding to. Do you want, like nothing else, to be in a certain geographic region? And I don't pull those three examples out of nowhere. Yeah, I know people who that, that means the most to them. A good friend of mine is still on active duty and probably going to retire. He's he's passed his 20 years already, but he's a, a very senior officer and he's still still doing great things. But he's got a very specific geographic location in mind that he wants to end up in. And mm-hmm. he doesn't care if he's employed there, not employed there, maybe part-time employed, maybe running his own business, but his number one priority is to get to a certain geographic location in Missouri to be near his family. Mm-hmm. And and bravo, that that's excellent. He knows where he wants to be. So the reason I ask people to ask themselves that question, what do you want, is because it goes way beyond career or finances. It goes to the heart of what do you want as an individual? So transition is very different for the guy who says, I'm retiring and I'm going to take my modest pension and I want a cabin in the out in the backwoods of Tennessee and I'm going to hunt and fish all day and that's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Cool. Don't look at that guy and expect the military to look at him the same way that they're looking at someone trying to land a corporate position, transitioning their skills the way I have. Mm-hmm. So going back to what you said about transferring those skills and translating those skills. Sure. That was easy for me to do, but it's because it's what I enjoy and it's what I want mm-hmm. to do. So that's what I wanted. I know plenty of public affairs officers and people in other fields like military medical fields or, or other very specialized finance, whatever, that they could definitely translate those skills to the civilian world, but choose not to. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you should or shouldn't or listen to anyone else tell you it's, do I enjoy the career field I'm in or do I use my transition from the military as an opportunity to go a different direction? I chose to stay in the same profession and just do it differently, but that that's not for everybody. So I, I think transition is as unique as the person. Yeah, Mark, I, no, I'm glad you put it that way because it reminded me of I got out after five years, I became a financial advisor, and I thought that's my new identity, this is my new job, this is all I can do. And about five years after into it, I realized, I don't I don't even believe in this, I don't have integrity with myself. And I was like, I don't, I, I don't know what I want. I was in, still in Germany, I didn't know if I wanted to be there. It was weird, because I was sort of self-employed, so I felt like I was autonomous, but I didn't know what I wanted. And and luckily, I, re- I remember distinctly, I was sitting on my crowd- couch, I might have even been in tears, but I, I said, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to go find it and look for it. And yes, I'm still kind of in the financial services thing now, but I went and found, I really, I built the skill sets of 
online marketing and digital sales and, and realizing that, oh my gosh, anybody can learn these skill sets in a weekend and then apply it and then build and learn more on it. And, and specifically the ability to create that mobile income. So you can be a geographic independent. You can move around as needed or go where you want to go. We don't have to just take these jobs. And and I, I'm, I'm glad you, you bring this up. Like, what do you want? Because guess what? It might take a few years. And, and I always talk about go into your first mo- post-military job with the intention of leaving. Maybe you don't, but it allow- allows you to kind of uh, be a stepping stone, as you said. So I-, I wanted you to dig in a little bit deeper of what's what's the secret that you discovered? Because I think you kind of had your own version of that. And uh, I'm curious, like, wh- what do you, what did you th- what do you want to share uh, a little bit more about you know finding that that sense of purpose sure so i'll, I'll share my own example but my secret is just that go back mm-hmm. to that core question of what do you want okay and and i forgot to add it's okay for that to change because maybe mm. you thought you wanted something and you get there and you realize ah this isn't what i wanted that's okay if for any of the philosophy folks out there that have read Siddhartha, he couldn't figure out if he wanted to be a shaman, a businessman, or a guy who ferried people across the river on a boat. Heck, and he lived a happy life. He was he was totally content, mm. but he followed numerous different paths. And there's there's nothing embarrassing about that. So, and I think society, the veteran community, I, I think maybe we shame that too much when you get into something and realize, oh, that's not for me, and you walk away and go a different direction people say oh he's having trouble finding himself or oh yeah the transition's been tough on him or her and <laughs> and in the reality no maybe you just decided to jump to something else so mm-hmm. so that's my one sentence secret is what do you want but in terms of me how it worked out is i walked through the steps of transitioning deliberately as you brought up in your first book from deployment to dollars that that, uh, that we really need to think about where am I now and where do I want to be and what kind of job do I want to do? Not just, I got to find a job. Oh, I got to make a big paycheck. And so I kind of thought, well, working in government my entire adult life, maybe an, the easiest transition for me would be to still work in government, but maybe local government. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up as the public affairs director for, for a city, for a municipality. And it was amazing. It was a terrific job. And if I look at it in totality, it was terrific. The, the experience was great. I wouldn't trade it. But what I found was that real reward and, and the fun, the excitement, that was all in the first year to maybe 15 months. And I say that because that's when I brought in ideas they hadn't seen before, processes that were new and exciting. And I was providing so much value that I really had a great sense of purpose. I was... I was doing great things for the city. Hmm. And then it started to taper off where the expectation was, all right, you've come up with enough good ideas. You've built this. <laughs> now just maintain that. And by the way, do these other random tasks. And, and then I realized like, oh, that's not fun for me. Uh, what was hmm. fun was building it, was, was bringing the new ideas and perspective to the table, making them more efficient at communicating with the public. And when I wasn't providing that anymore, all of a sudden I felt like, well, uh, and, and I still say to this day, I didn't resign from that job. I finished that job. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was almost a feeling of my job is done here. 
And then when I reflected to say, well, it's, it's clearly time for me to move on based on the way that I felt at work. And I think all veterans who have gone out into their first job know, like you hit that wall where you're like, this isn't fulfilling. And so what's the first thing a lot of people do is go and look for another job, but then you're going to go through that same process. And I thought, I bet I would love the next job for a year to a, to a year and a half and then realize, well, maybe, maybe I've given that organization all that I can, all the counsel and, and, and all the insights that I can. And then it would be time to move on again, which is why I started my own communications consulting business, okay. Miller Public Relations. So when I started that business, now every day I'm helping clients to understand how to better communicate and how to build their public facing communication structure to work better for them. And then they go and execute it and I'm on to the next client. Mm -hmm. So my favorite part of that full-time job is now my full-time job by helping numerous clients. So, so that's how I found my way, but I'm still building my way. So it's, it's never a, a finished project. No, no, absolutely. I, I love that. I love that you you recognized where you were bringing value and essentially decided to scale and say, why am I only going to do this for, for one, one employer, one source of income, where if all of a sudden you get a new government official, a boss who's like, I don't like your new ideas, like that can that can get nasty if if you think, well, I still need this job. I think people get stuck in some jobs they hate for years and years just because some they just happen to be under a boss. And in, in any ways, when you only got one stream of income, if for whatever reason that goes away, now you're now you're screwed. But versus going and doing what you've done and uh, figuring how bring more value to others, keeps you creative. And of course, if you lose a client, you can always go get more. I'm curious, what do you what do you do? What are you doing right? How long you how long have you been in business with this? So I made the decision to start the business back in May, but, and this is, this is another thing that you can do when you're in business for yourself. I made the decision in May, but I didn't launch until September. And mm -hmm. that's because my wife's a teacher. And I said to myself, I haven't taken a summer off since high school. So <laughs> I, my wife and I took the summer off and uh, I don't regret that one bit. It, Sure, that was a financial decision, but took the summer off. So in reality, I, I really launched the business in September. Great. Okay. So new business, new business in the COVID age. I'm guessing you don't necessarily have to be brick and mortar. I'm not sure how PR firms used to work, but what, what are you doing now? Or, or maybe what, what's happening now that's different from what you expected launching a, a PR firm might be like? Is it different, like your strategy to get clients or... Or yeah, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, so many. <laughs> that, that's probably a whole segment in itself. But oh, what I didn't know about the costs. I'm not brick and mortar, so uh, okay. that's that reduces overhead. I'm in, I'm in my home office right now, so my commute from my bedroom is is approximately 15 seconds. Uh, so likewise, is, love it. Yeah, it's it's actually great, and and COVID has really been an advantage to me because mm. it has taught organizations, leaders, managers, how much you can get done over this method of communication we're using right now. And uh, I don't mean to take away from meeting in person and how important that is, but when you can't do it, I, I can really get a lot done with clients this way. And that's also allowed me to break into helping clients nationwide. So I don't have a single local client. My clients that I've worked with have been Aravapo Watershed Conservation Alliance in Southern Arizona 
teach for America <laughs> Hawaii, the high school that I went to in Illinois. I just provided the proposal packet to them, and I've, I've got an upcoming meeting with them. So we're talking yeah. Illinois, Arizona, Hawaii. Do you hear Texas anywhere in there? No. Right. So <laughs> COVID has really been uh, something that has worked to my advantage and that I'm sitting here in Texas, but the work I'm doing is one end of it's in Texas and the other end is over here in whatever other state. So my limitation is now for legal reasons that I provide services just in the United States. So that's, that's a much bigger footprint than, than I would have had as, as a local guy. So that's worked out well. The unexpecteds have been, have been everything from, I didn't realize how much insurance you had to get as, a, as an LLC in terms of liability insurance and, and all these other things that, that companies want before you, before you respond to their RFP. Just, I, I didn't realize that getting clients was going to be mostly through my personal network. Everyone says, monetize your friendships. I always thought that was a little hollow. I'm like, no, these are my friends. I don't need to monetize that. But then without any pressure, when I put it out there in my own network that I have a business, sure enough, that that's where the leads came from was mm -hmm. people I knew who knew my work ethic, who knew my competence already, who were willing to say, hey, you're, you're someone we're looking for. And so actually I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten a single client yet that wasn't attached to somebody I knew. Yeah. I mean, if, if you've got a way of service, I mean, who better to serve and help than, than those in love. Right. So, I mean, other than, than people know, know you, do you think that your skill set in public relations coming from the military makes you different than a typical public relations firms? Like what is, what is the, what is it that makes you unique when it comes to, you know, this, this, cause I know public relations is changing drastically from what it used to be. It's not about press releases so much anymore, right? Oh, they're, they're still valuable, but yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah P PR does not stand for press release. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a line I've used before. PR does change rapidly, but my military background combined with now my municipal background really gives me a niche where I'm able to operate in the world of government and nonprofit, believe it or not, there's okay. a lot of consistencies between those two where your audience isn't always an audience of potential customers. So I've been built up in my public relations background as someone learning to help improve, maintain, stabilize the image and reputation of an organization that isn't necessarily looking for an end state of customers and sales. So mm -hmm. that puts me at a great advantage with any government or nonprofit organization. I'll be very candid and say it probably puts me at a bit of a disadvantage when it comes to the, the commercial or Fortune 500 type companies mm -hmm. that I don't have as much familiarity with that with that arena. And, and you'll notice the, those aren't my clients. No. I, I, OK, so that that makes I mean, that makes a lot of sense that that I, I think especially in the veteran space, there's so many veteran service or, I mean, there's what, there's 45,000 of them. And I know they all got a great idea and stuff, but not always do they communicate or, or, or attract who they, who, who they want to serve in the right way. I, just from experience of what I've seen, it just almost seems like it, there's confusion. I mean, we get out of the military and it's like, gosh, there's so many resources, like which one's the right one for me. So I want to move on a little bit and, and kind of ask you, What's what's next? What do the next three years 
look like for, for Mark Miller Public Relations? What, what do you see changing on the horizon that you know we need to be aware of? Because a lot of us do go into these government organizations or nonprofits and even 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 for-profit businesses. What's ahead that we really need to, because this is, I mean, stuff's been changing like crazy. I'm afraid to say anything <laughs> without getting yelled at. And and I don't even know if, if, if that's relevant or not, but I just like to get, see if there's any uh, insights you can give our community on, uh, hey, how do we need to be communicating with uh, those we're meant to serve? Yeah. Well, first of all, if, if you're scared to say anything without getting yelled at, uh, my <laughs> services are available. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can talk about that later. But uh, what's the next three to five years for me? I'll start with saying uh, that starts next Friday for me. I am taking the GRE again after 10 years. The last time I took it was to get into my master's program at Georgetown. And unfortunately, I don't know if this when you take the GRE, it's only good for five years. Okay. <laughs> I even called them. I called ETS and tried to say, hey, but that whole time I was active duty military. If you waive that time, then I've only really been two years. They, <laughs> they, they didn't buy it. And in fact, in case anyone's wondering, they don't retain the scores after five years. So you, you can't sweet talk your way into it. So yeah, you might have you might have gotten dumber, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they're just making sure. And that's probably highly likely in my case. I don't know. Like, I haven't seen a quadratic equation in literally 10 years. It's a little intimidating. Oh my but, gosh. Um, so the GRE next Friday with the with the goal behind that, I, I'm going to be applying to PhD programs okay. that would start in fall of 21. So August, September timeframe of 21. And that's not me walking away from the business, but rather saying, if I want to be successful long term, I need to be a thought leader mm -hmm. in my field. And when there are people with communications, public policy and rhetoric, and, and degrees like that, that are PhDs, and Dr. Jones and Dr. Smith are out there, I'm not the most credible available. So mm -hmm. although I have a pretty deep resume of government, both federal and local public relations work, I've got a master's degree in public relations, my undergraduate degree is in mass communications. Sure, I've got credentials, but I seek to be an absolute expert and thought leader in my field. And I came to the conclusion I can't do that without a PhD. So that's that's the next goal for me. And uh, while I'm in that program, I plan to still continue helping clients. I might have to scale back a little bit to balance. But again, it's asking that question, what do you want? And mm -hmm. part of what led me to that was that summer off was amazing. So, <laughs> hey, my wife loves teaching. She's going to continue to teach grade school. So if I were in academia as well, that creates us as a team having a little bit more autonomy in the summers. Now, if I'm teaching at university level, I get it. My summers wouldn't be off. Those are generally set aside for research and publishing, mm -hmm. but they don't generally have a geographic requirement. You're not physically somewhere. So I could still go travel with my wife on the summers and then be able to still complete my work that I need to for my research and publication and then come back and start teaching courses again back on campus, wherever that may be in the fall. So that's that's the second reason that, that I'm seeking a PhD. And if I could sidetrack for just a second. Sure. Um, they made us take a course my freshman year at Illinois State University called Foundations of Inquiry. 
and I never forgot that course. I still remember the professor, Dr. Hathaway. And this course was all about asking question, questioning what's put in front of you. So if, the, if you hear something in the news, if you hear something just flying around that's accepted as fact, this course was an entire semester dedicating to questioning those things. Mm -hmm. And that's become so valuable in our current environment mm -hmm. where for the first time in our lifetimes, and uh, it's happened before in history when, with the advent of the newspaper and, and then tabloids. So we've been through this before, but not in your lifetime or mine, that people are actually operating with different sets of facts. Like, mm -hmm. if you wonder why our country is fractured right now, it's because guy A over here doesn't believe the same facts as, as guy or gal B over here. Mm -hmm. And so we're not arguing over what the facts mean. We're literally arguing over the facts themselves. And that course in Foundations of Inquiry really prepared me for that, even all these years later. But it helps to what you're talking about with transition as well, that we need to inquire about, hey, if, if everybody, whether that's people in the military or family members or, or whoever is telling me, oh, yeah, the next step here is to go get a corporate job or, or go get a good job. Make sure you're making a good paycheck. Hey, check this out. I looked at the whole transition process differently and said, okay, everything I'm being fed by the transition office here are great resources to question things. So they teach you to look at cost of living in different areas you might end up, ah, that's a good thing to inquire about. Oh, is, is this what you want to do? Or do you want to use this as an opportunity for a career switch? Oh, another good point of inquiry. So I looked at it as, as all points of inquiry not as an instruction manual that I was supposed to follow, but but rather as a program of several questions to ask. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I think you're exactly right. Right now in America, it's like people are watching completely different movies on the same screen. And you don't just change people's minds if they are choosing to be a useful idiot and just and not not be willing to to ask deeper. Like, is that always true? Is that true for everyone? And what else? Be out there. And, and honestly, when you say thought leader, I love the idea of thought leadership because it's all about personal branding. Uh, and, and it sounds to me like you know, this might be a line of inquiry for, for you to, to bring some unique value. You, you thinking about doing speaking or writing a book or anything like that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've actually thought about you were part of my inspiration for that. I'm like, okay, this, this guy that we used to hang around in Germany, if I'm not mistaken, the last time we saw each other in person was at that army Navy game, maybe back in 2012 or somewhere around. Yeah. There. So, so yeah, I've definitely thought about writing a book when I see my colleagues and peers out there have done that. And, and for me, I feel like I need to seek a little bit more knowledge before I'm ready to do that. That mm -hmm. right now I might be a great authority in practice, but I'm seeking to be a better authority in theory as well. Yeah, I think I mean it's it's the it's the theory, practice, get a little more theory, keep keep building, and then eventually you just kind of go, holy cow, I've got something unique here. I need to I need to write this down or communicate or share it with an audience in some way. Because ultimately it doesn't matter what industry or job description you're talking about, the most successful people are those who are known. And in this day and age, I mean, think Dr. Phil. Dave Ramsey. I mean, they're not even really licensed people, but Dr. Oz, it's just, 
in, 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 but that's the thing. They are, they're on TV. They're famous and all that. In this day and age, you don't have to be famous. You can go find your own unique small audience of 100, 1,000 people, whatever, and become quite successful because you know now you're serving those whom you're meant to serve. And uh, it, it ends up being a heck of a lot more fun. So I've really enjoyed that. I'd love to help you out any way I can. If, 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 if I could be helpful and, and doing the personal branding stuff, cause I love, I, I love your demeanor, your, 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 your focus on what you want, getting that message out. Cause you know what I still get this almost every day from veterans and in, in transitioning military, these are senior officers, senior NCOs. And the thing they say is, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up and right. to give yourself the permission, almost force yourself to say, you got to find something. So Mark, I love that message. I really appreciate you coming on, on the show today. How could people find you? I know you got a website, is social media, please lay that out. So folks can find you and, and put you to put your, your new business to work, please. If you're in a nonprofit, I know not a lot of nonprofits, are connected with us and so if, if you're looking to 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 grow your business or grow your nonprofit get the word out uh, I, I definitely would consider uh, mark services for sure yeah so you you can find me real easily at uh, markmillerpr.com and and then all my social media channels are linked from that website so you can find those real easily too and scott i, I really just appreciate you having me on if i could offer one last thought yeah yeah absolutely so I know a lot of times people say, well, the, the military doesn't prepare you for transition. And I, I hear that a lot, but I also want to respectfully challenge that a little bit and mm -hmm. say, the military does pre prepare you for transition. You just don't know it because everything the military, everything you said, the military will take care of that for me. How did that work out? So, oh, any equipment I need, they're going to issue me a CIF, right? How'd that work out? Oh, mm -hmm. when I need food, I just go to the DFAC, right? How'd that work out? Those are just two examples of when we accept the military will take care of this for me. It doesn't work. So don't do that any differently with your transition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't, don't say, oh, the military is going to take care of it for me. They're going to give me some of the tools. So some of the stuff I needed, CIF did issue. Mm -hmm. and some of the stuff I needed, I needed to go get on my own mm -hmm. to make sure I could do my job correctly and to make sure I was comfortable as well. So take that thought and realize what did the military train you to do? Long-term planning, short-term planning, mission analysis, courses of action analysis, looking at your ends, ways, means, these, these goals you have three to five years, are they the ends? Are they the ways? Are they the means? Are they a method? So to think through all the stuff the military taught you and use that for transition, as opposed to just looking completely at tab but looking at all the skills the military gave you and then looking at that as, okay, now this is my mission is my life. So I need to do the long-term, short-term planning. I need to do the mission analysis. I need to do the course of action analysis. I need to look at my ends, ways, means. Mm -hmm. If you're doing all that the way the military taught you, you're golden. It's just, they didn't call it transition assistance. They called it doing your job. Yeah, that and surround yourself with good people as much as possible. I mean, the cool thing is about when you're in the military, you get assigned who you're going to be around. And we always say, hey, I love leading my soldiers and, and so on. But in the civilian world, you can choose who you want to be around. You just want to be around your buddies. And, and if they're if they're miserable and, and, and not supporting you, it's like 
go find those who you want to be like find people at your level or, or even better above your le level it's not like everybody has to be a mentor to you but when you start to surround yourself with those types of people it lifts you up what's tide rises all boats how does that go i don't know it's getting late it's getting late in the day right <laughs> i think that's a a good way to end it on this day after veterans day thinking of others let's continue to try to be of service find out what you want so you can one be happy be meaningful and really figure out how to how to help people because I, I don't know what else we're on earth for <laughs> it's just yeah it, it really is so if we're just going to get a job and we're not looking for that thing that that feels meaningful. I think that's, it, it ends up being dangerous uh, these days. So love your mission and message to help in that. So thanks again, Mark. Hey, I put, I put your email there. Obviously that's the website as well. Mark at Mark Miller PR.com and uh, looking forward to hearing how things go in a, a year or so, how the business is booming. You bet. Hey, All thanks right. again for having you, me on. You bet, man. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us again on Veteran Wealth Secrets. So appreciate you coming on to early show, Mark, as we grow the audience, have you on again and uh, keep promoting you. Thanks so much, Scott. All right. Take care. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Veteran Wealth Secrets. Be sure to subscribe to us on all the podcast channels, also on YouTube, and share it with a friend. Visit our website at usvetwealth.com to get access to all of our free resources, including the first three chapters of Veteran Wealth Secrets, the post-military guide to gaining autonomy and control. You can get that today on our website, first three chapters for free, or you can go to amazon.com if you want the Kindle or paperback. We have other resources all over the website, so check out usvetwealth.com to learn more.